You're listening to Scarves Around the Funnel, brought to you in association with Forrest Hepburn and McDonald Signs. Getting noticed isn't always easy, because there's so much noise! But at Forrest Hepburn and McDonald, we make it easy. With standout signs, business cards, shop fronts, banners, leaflets, vehicle graphics, the lot. Showcasing your products, advertising your brand, and getting business noticed. So, what can we do for you? Forrest Hepburn and McDonald, creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. Visit fhmcdsigns.co.uk. Waiting in the middle, and Jancic put a decent ball in. It's a deep one. Up goes McKenna, hit it back across, gone to the net. Kevin McKenna with the equaliser for Hearts. It's one all, and scenes of absolute joy in the away end. Hello, and welcome to Scarves Around the Funnel the podcast dedicated to Heart of Midlothian Football Club, the club who will be waiting at least another season for uh, another Scottish Cup triumph after being knocked out of the country's premier competition at the weekend and ending this season's search and hunt for silverware. I am Laurie Dunsire, joined again by Mark Donaldson. I'm, I'm going to take umbrage with something that, that, that you've said. First of all, good evening. I'm not going to ask you how your child is. Uh, we had that preamble before we came on air. Your child is fine. That's great. Wonderful. I will ask again next week before we come on air. <laughs> what I'm going to take umbrage is Scotland's premier competition is the 10 at 6s. And Hearts have got a couple of, of wins in recent times. And I, I'm going that back that far. Scottish Cup. Look, I, it's funny. You sent me, you sent me a message and it... it just before, well, kind of maybe an hour before kickoff or something like that, and it was the feeling that everyone seemed to have. It was the feeling around Tyne Castle, and it was a, it was just flat, and it was a continuation of the feeling after when the draw was made. Um, and it, it, I don't know if it, I was hopeful. I was trying to gee myself up. I said, "Well, if we get an early goal, or even if we concede, then there's still a there's still a chance." But oh my gosh, uh, an early goal! And they, for them, and, and and the game was the game was done. So it's all about the league now. It's all about either Celtic or Rangers beating Falkirk or Inverness in the final, and Hearts securing third. And if that's the case, I suppose it'll be a it'll be a decent enough season if we can finish third and, and get into the group stages again. But there's still a lot of work to be done from now on in. Well, some early uh, an early quiz question for you then. Ten and oh. sixes. Who mm-hmm. are they? Current holders. Good show. Oh, it's, it's not Hearts. Is it Motherwell? It's not Motherwell. It's also not Hearts. You're right. St. Mirren? It's not Rangers it, or Celtic, I don't think. It's Partick Thistle. Partick. And yeah. apparently, yeah. to this day, they still have the trophy displayed for Hill. Quite right. We had the blood. We had that in our bloody honours in the programme for years. Tenant Sixies winners twice. Ingolston 1985 and then SECC in 19... Maybe 92? Not sure. Um, great days. Just far more innocent and, and joyous days. That is Scotland's premier competition. Well, if it's a competition that Hearts are the joint most successful club in, then, yep, why not? If there's any 
young listeners, Mark, who are like, <laughs> the hell, what the hell is a tenant sixes given? The tenant sixes is a six ended in pack of <laughs> Yeah, that, that's what the tenant six is, a six pack of, of tenants lager. Uh, why is it? <laughs> it was a six aside competition played indoors, initially at Ingolston, um, where some of you might have gone to get your COVID jabs. Uh, and it, does it still have that smell, by the way, at Ingolston? It always had a scent. Does it still have a smell when you come out the airport of, I don't know, animals or something like that? Or is that gone? Have, have they put a filter um, on that one? I don't say I've noticed myself, certainly at the airport. I don't tend to go to Ingolston for much else. Uh, so used to go to Ingolston Market. <laughs> okay. Used to go to Ingolston Market. Um, saw the cars there. Saw <laughs> ocean color scene and maybe away. I think I saw Oasis there as well. <laughs> But prior to that, yeah, it was it was it was a six aside tournament where um, basically football players, not multimillionaires, but guys that were earning a wee bit more, and in some cases a reasonably bit more than Johnny on the street, um, played at night time indoors on a carpet, um, and it was great fun. And then it moved through to SECC. It was brilliant. What were the what were the crowds like? Like how many Great. people was it? I, I, I've seen, I've seen, I've seen clips. Obviously, I know what it is, but it's before my time. I was, it, it finished by, by the time I started going to the football. So, yeah. Just fantastic, yeah. And because everyone had, it wasn't like nowadays, whereby it's just like oh, best we can do is finish third and gonna have to have luck of the draw. Anyone could be everyone, and and mm. goalkeepers wearing tracksuit bottoms and just just joyous. It really was. It was. It was football in the more innocent times. Yeah, I'm just. I'm just laughing. I could tell some people already be like, "Oh, typical Hearts fans." You know, the answer is not how do we challenge Celtic Rangers or how do we try and win a trophy. It's like let's just bring back a six aside tournament, and then at least we can win that. We um, are doing our best to to delay the post mortem, but I suspect the delay cannot last much longer. It cannot. We will this week discuss Hearts Scottish Cup exit against Celtic. We'll briefly touch on, we'll mention at least the away game because obviously that's taken place since our last recording as well. But given it's going to be over a week since that game by the time people are listening, I'm not going to focus on that too much. Um, we will look ahead, of course, to the Aberdeen away game that's coming up. Uh, anything else as well that might come up over the next hour or so? We, we are potentially going to get Mr. Ryan McGowan on, but we won't guarantee that. He's got um, daddy duties. And... So do we. So, so do we. I've got a wee one whose mummy's just taken out of Taekwondo, but she'll be back. You've got a, a, a bambino. You've got a, a, a month-old um, I, think, I think the difference being that um, neither of us are currently alone and fully in charge of said child. <laughs> He'll he'll be here for how long we don't know, but he'll he'll be okay. a good lad. He'll be here. Okay, at some point we'll see. Anyway, let's crack on. <sighs> You're listening to Scarves Around the Funnel, sponsored by Forest Hepburn and McDonald Signs, who have been offering creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. So first up, we're going to talk about what has just passed in terms of the Hearts results. Um. Before we get into that, or, or should I get to this email? I, I, we've got this email, Mark. I think you should get to the email first. I, I've, first. I've read okay. it before we yeah. came on air, and I think it's excellent. 
Yeah. Okay. Like I've said previously, we always try to, you know, if people take the time to, you know, we get, we get messages and tweets and direct messages and, and um, emails as well. But if people give us a long email and try and go into a bit of detail to put a point across, we do try and read it. And, you know, we've had some which are very critical of, of Robbie Nielsen, the club. We've had some positive, different angles. So it's always good to get these out there. Um, so this email is from Matthew. So very th- a very big thank you to Matthew for taking the time to send this. And he says, Hi, Laurie, Mark, Gowser. Uh, my name's Matthew. I'm a long-time listener of the show. After the disappointment of Saturday, I was unsurprised to see some new threads appear on J- Jambo's kickback. One was titled, uh, The Week uh, Hearts Management Got Found Out. I normally don't bite on such threads, but I couldn't resist on this occasion. Below is my take on the season so far. It's far too simplistic to state we have been good all season or crap all season. He puts the poop emoji there, but you know, you get. If you look at it from a results point of view alone, at home in the league, we've been very strong, beating everybody out with the old firm, except Livingston, who we snatched a late draw against, with the only defeats coming to the old firm. These have been discussed at length over the last few days. Our away record in the league isn't good enough. Pretty much what we've come to expect since the SPL was introduced. Not enough wins, too many def- uh, too many draws and defeats. Although we did finally get the monkey off our back at McDermott Park. This is something the club need to continue to address. Our recent record in the cup competitions, namely the Scottish Cup, has been very good. Three finals out of the last four seasons, knocking Hibs out at Hamden twice and beating them at Easter Road. Getting knocked out of the quarterfinal stage this season wasn't ideal, of course. This has been discussed at length since last Saturday. Uh, when you look at the performances across the season, during some games, some of the football has been a joy to watch. Some of the best goals we've scored in the last decade alone have been scored this season. Uh, the home match against Zurich up until Grant gets sent off. The home game against Dundee United, the 4-1 win. First half of the away game against St. Johnson was terrific. Best have seen us play there in well over 10 years. Large spells of the home game against Celtic in October, the 3-4 defeat in an attacking sense. Large spells of the 5-0 match against Aberdeen. Although I agree we could have been even better that night. Genuinely could have been 7 or 8. Some of the fight and grit shown by the team this season has also been notable. When a season's gone past, you wouldn't have seen this. The late 3-2 win against Motherwell despite being down to 10 men. The 2-2 draw against Killy after being 2-0 down with a very rare Craig Gordon mistake. The very late 1-1 draw uh, game at home to Livingston. Not a good performance and result overall, but we kept going until the very last kick in the 96th minute. Again, something that the Hearts teams of the past may not have done. That being said, there have also been some games where we have been absolutely awful, both in performance and result, where the team have been guilty of overplaying, not mixing up, not doing the very basics you would expect, and not matching the work rate of the other team. The examples he lists here, the first Livingston uh, match away, the 1-0 defeat, the 2-0 game away at Aberdeen, the recent defeat to Motherwell, 2-0 defeat. He says, apart from the decent opening 25 minutes, I thought this was the worst of the season. The 4-0 home defeat to Rangers was an example of tactical suicide and the European home matches against Istanbul and Fiorentina. I fully appreciate the level of opposition, but I felt we didn't do the basics right and gave them far too much respect. You also have to caveat all that with the extensive lists of injuries to key slash good players over the course of the season, such as Boyce, Benny, Halkett, Kingsley, Gordon, Humphreys, and all the extra matches the club had to fulfil a somewhat new experience. The management team are by no means a finished article. Mistakes have been made, but to say they have been found out simply isn't true. I agree that recent performances haven't been good 
haven't been as good as we know the team is capable of, this is up to management to sort out ASAP and get us back on track in this regard. With good performances, generally good results follow. At this stage of the season, it's all about results, though. Let's start at Pataudry on Saturday. Cheers, Matthew. And he does say, P.S. Gowser, I hope you've got over that pumping at Tyne Castle a week and a half ago. So we'll mention that to Ryan if and when he appears. But um, that aside, a lengthy email, a, a well-constructed email, Mark, and covering, mm. I think, a lot of points and I think hitting the nail on the head with most of them. Yes. So let's take a deeper dive into to Hearts and the league this season. 28 games played, around where we were this time last year, which is, is fine. 13 wins and 6 draws, so 19 of the 28 games unbeaten. Now, 9 defeats, that's quite a lot. 40 goals conceded, that's quite a lot. 6 of those 9 defeats have come against the old firm. There is not one heart supporter that will tell you that our performances, never mind our results, because they've not been good enough, but our performances against the Old Firm haven't been good enough, with the exception, I think, of, of the 3-4, uh, when Celtic came and won 4-3 at Tynecastle. Um, I, I know when we went there earlier this season to Celtic Park, it was it was a kind of makeshift hearts side, and to an extent when we went there earlier, so you can't really say too much about that. Celtic didn't really get out of second gear. But six of those nine defeats coming against the Old Firm. A, it's expected because they're first and second, but B, I don't think it's good enough. Um, So, where are the other teams? Well, Hibs are closest, five points behind. Then Aberdeen, seven points behind. St Mirren, eight points behind. And Livingston, nine points behind. So, this is one of these, you can analyze it all you want right now, but ultimately it's going to be the end of the season where you look back and, and, and you've got a better idea of, right, we finished third or we finished fourth, we were third. I want to start with, with the games that um, haven't been good. And and one of them I didn't think was great, certainly second half, was at Pitaudry on the 16th of October. It was a 2-0 defeat. I think we had a chance just before half-time, Laurie, am I am I right? There was a decent opportunity in the first half that we didn't take at Pataudry? We actually, that that... I mean, we actually played very well the first half, probably the yeah, most yep. um, most I've seen us control a game at Pataudry in many years. Um, it was one that we were on that run just then, you know, Barry Mackay had missed a ridiculous pretty much open goal against Kamarnik not yes. long before that, I think the weekend before possibly. Cochrane missed an even more bizarre one where it was cut across the box and he was, what, two, three yards out was with a gaping yes. goal and he managed mm -hmm. to kind of knock the ball back across the line to the goalkeeper. So he had a few big chances in the first half. I think Shanklin maybe lobbed one just over the bar. Um, but we were in that spell where Aberdeen tweaked it a bit. They got a grip of things second half and as soon as they went ahead, it was game over. We were The, mm -hmm. the shoulders were slumped at that point. We'd, we were off the back of a 5-1 pumping in Florence. So... Um, yeah, things were just against us at that point, really. Yeah, yeah. So, so the second half in in that game against Aberdeen, I want to I want to kind of go back to Leicester City winning the league. Now, Le Leicester City won the league. No one thought they were going to win the league. They they performed way above expectations, and and ultimately it was a it was a false ceiling um, that they created for themselves. <laughs> you're Leicester. You're five thousand to one chances. You've won the league, right? Where do you go from there? The only way is down. So maybe Hearts are not guilty is the wrong word, but maybe Hearts 
In fact, they did overachieve, coming straight back uh, into the Premiership and finishing third. It's what we hoped they would do. It's what well, you certainly predicted. I thought it would be fourth last season. Uh, a number of Hearts fans would have would have predicted that. Based on what? Well, again, that's that's down to the individual. What what made you think that Hearts would finish third? I don't think there's 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 much in it outside of Rangers and Celtic. Um, I, I don't think there's much in the middle of the table. I think we're better than everybody else. The aim is to be a lot better than everybody else going forward with the European games. But by finishing third, you've set yourself. Okay, where do you go from there? Because we're nowhere near good enough yet to narrow the gap to to Rangers and Celtic. Now, would a new manager be able to do that? I don't know. But this isn't a time for talking about changing managers. I mean, come on now. There's always going to be that section, that segment of the heart support that when adversity hits, a couple of bad results, and it's like, get rid of the manager. He's not good enough. I mean, let's just call Canny a wee bit on this. I'm not, I'll, I'll defend her just because he's a pal of mine. I'll, I've said it. I didn't think after the the broader game that um, that I thought his position might be untenable, but there was patience there. So it's not like no matter what he does, I'm always going to defend him. The 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 defeat at Motherwell was poor. The the performance and the tactics, the team selection and the tactics against Rangers, and I was slightly disappointed afterwards that that Robbie didn't come out and say, "Look, I fucked up." I got it wrong. And it, there, there were excuses. I get that. That's, that's protecting the players. But come on now. Where we are and where we're trying to go. What, you're just going to sack a manager every time? Of course, there's there's a lot of room for improvement. But the problem is, if Robbie right now was challenging um, Celtic at the top of the table or splitting Celtic and Rangers right now, he probably wouldn't be at Tynecastle. He would be swallowed up by someone from down south, maybe in the English Championship or or top of League One. But he's not. And, and Hearts are third right now, 25 points behind Rangers. <laughs> Newsflash, this ain't new. This isn't a case of, oh, my goodness, the gap between second and third is, is absolutely huge. This happens every year. Prior to Rangers starting all over again from, from League Two, before all that, the gap between second and third, whether it was third to Rangers or third to Celtic in second place. It's always been huge. Now, this is a it's a long-term project for me. It's about being better than the rest by a decent chunk. But that just doesn't happen overnight. That's to do with recruitment. It's to do with youth development. It's to do with getting youngsters involved in the team. It's to do with bringing the right people in to the football club as well, having the money to do so. So... It's it's so easy after a couple of bad results to look at all the negatives. But as that email quite rightly pointed out, you know what? There's been a number of positives as well. Is it perfect? Far from it. But you know what? There's Hibs, Aberdeen, St. Mirren, Livingston, St. Johnston, Motherwell, Ross County, Kilmarnock, and Dundee United who would all swap places with us right now. Let's regroup at the end of the season. And if we finish third, then we can be a little bit more critical with our analysis, if that's what we want to do. But if we finish less than third, there'll be a lot of grumpy people out there. So let's just find out where we are come the end of the season. But I get the email, and I think that's an excellent email. What about your thoughts? Yeah, I I, I think it's fair enough. And I think it's uh, it's right to to highlight issues with, with players, with the manager, with tactics, when, when there's been 
there's been errors, there's been poor performances because quite often it is on the manager. Sometimes it's individual errors. Sometimes you've got to look at extenuating circumstances. I think there's a balanced view. And I think um, the, the, the bit that, you know, is a lot of good points in there, the bit that resonates a lot is when you say it's far too simplistic to state we've been good all season or we've been shy all season. We've not. It's, it, it's somewhere in between. I think considering where, you know, where hearts have been, um, and I know people hate when we say, oh, no, it's, that's a negative way, you know, that's just a pessimistic way to look at it. But look, ultimately, I'm not just saying the last few years, um, you know, in over 60 years, Hearts have managed to finish in the top three in consecutive seasons once. Once. Mm. Since since 1960. I mean, where, if Robbie Nielsen can secure his top three this season, it'll be only the second time in over six decades and that was another time was under Craig Levine where arguably Jesus the football was a lot worse to watch Mm. Um, so I think we you know stability um, consistency these are things that we need just now and that's not to say I'm not good I'm not convinced Robbie Nielsen is the long-term answer for hearts there will be a point where we need to look at progressing but with I was and you know the start of the season we spoke about this I had a fear that with um, the demands of European football, uh, we would struggle and we'd end up getting cut adrift by the time we got to the World Cup break and we would be chasing down third rather than being in a comfortable position. Mm-hmm. In the end, I was quite pleased that we were in touching distance of it going into the World Cup break because I thought we'd regroup and we'd get better after it. And sometimes I get things drastically wrong, but I feel like this time I called it right. And And to be honest, the injuries, I didn't, you know, I didn't see us having such a huge injury crisis. You know, at times we've been missing an entire eleven, um, and I, I feel like there's never been any game where we've not been missing at least four or five potential starters. Um, so I, I think there has got to be a bit of realism here. If Robbie Nielsen can get top three, I think you could say he's achieved what he would have, what the club have probably asked him to set out to achieve. There are there are issues in terms of some performances. I think there's some recruitment issues, which is probably a combination of him and Joe Savage. We know that Joe Savage finds the players, but Robbie Nielsen gets the final say. So you can't... I don't think you can give all the credit to Joe Savage and none to Robbie Nielsen when signings work out equally. I don't think you can put it all on Joe Savage when signings don't work out and not factor Robbie Nielsen in. Um, But, you know, three trophies over 60 years, only two of them saw us get a top three finish combined with that. That was 98 and 06. Um, 98 was a a magical time. 06, great time, but unrealistic to try and compare with that. Um, And when we compare ourselves to Celtic, I'd like to speak to Ryan on this. I hope he does join us because this is what I want to, the the gap is one thing. You know, Celtic's budget is six times hard. So that's, you know, if you look south of the border, that's comparing bottom of the table, Bournemouth to Man City. Did you see what Celtic and Rangers made from the Champions League as well? I did. 27, 27 million. From this season for Celtic, 19 million from Rangers. Granted, Hearts got just over 5 million euros. But if you're constantly getting five times what the team in third is getting for qualifying for the group stages, and by the way, next season will be automatic qualification for the group stages for the Scottish Cup winners if they're not Celtic or Rangers or yeah. third place in the league. Um, so you're going to get an extra probably 5 million of that, of which you've already spent the two million that Hearts did this season to get them into the position where they now have a is that a category four or five 
um, stadium that, that is required. But if you constantly, every single season, earn five million, five times, not five million, but five times, you're just, you're constantly able to afford, you, you can basically afford five times the wage of the top earner that Hearts can earn. And, and that's not even going down to Hibs and others who don't have the, the European money. That's the importance of, yeah. of getting that European money. But, but sell, Celtic and Rangers right now, I mean, there's always been a gap. Um, I, I I think there's there's far more chance of of the gap between Celtic, especially, um, and Rangers and the rest. Uh, I think there's more of a chance of of that increasing, which doesn't do or doesn't help anybody in in Scottish football. But the problem is that there's still an expectation that we should be doing better uh, as far as getting closer to them. I think we should yeah. be doing better in individual games against them. Yeah. Um, but it's it's so hard with the money coming into them to 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 lay a glove on them over a season. Yeah, I mean stability, consistency, steady progress is what we need. Have we progressed this season? I think it's hard to judge with injuries, with European football demands. Um I think changing things like a record away to Aberdeen, which we'll get to later in the podcast, that would be a better barometer of progress for me than games against Celtic. Because ultimately, if you play Celtic and Celtic turn up, you're going to lose. It doesn't really matter what you do, unfortunately. It's the same yeah, way. It's our the away same, record needs to be better against it, non-old fans. Yeah, it's the same way if if Hearts are are playing a championship team and Hearts turn up, they'll win. It's, 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 it's similar similar gaps, unfortunately. Yeah, that, it's Ham- that Hamilton game, yep. Um, it's just the way that is. It's, it's funny, I mean, the correlation with Aberdeen, I think, is quite interesting because Dent McInnes, well, before 2013-14, um, in 17 seasons, Aberdeen had finished in the top three once. Um, now, McInnes had taken over in the middle of the season prior, uh, but in terms of that first Full season, he took Aberdeen um, into third place. Uh, I know, I know, uh, Rangers weren't around, but top three won a cup, and then for a run of five seasons, they were in the. <laughs> they got second for four seasons running. Rangers weren't there, so let's just say it's equivalent of getting top three. Because if Rangers were there, they probably would have been there. I know they came up and they finished behind them once, but if a if a s- established and um, at least mildly consistent Rangers team were there. It would be a different story, but he got Aberdeen up there. Um, there was then there's been, been consistent fourth place finishes for Aberdeen after that. In the end, it got to a point where I think it was time for both parties to move on. It had got a bit stale, um, but throughout his tenure, a lot of Aberdeen fans were not fans of that. You know, they felt we can kick on. We need to go to the next level. I heard lots of, I heard lots of Aberdeen fans I know say this. I was up in that neck of the woods for most of it. He's not going to carry us on. He doesn't get results away. He doesn't get results in Glasgow. We're not winning enough silverware. We're not going to challenge for the league title under McInnes. He's too negative in away games. A lot of this was true. You know, McInnes was a solid manager. He knew Scottish football. He was a decent man manager. He liked to keep a core of his team together. He didn't like to mix things up too much. Now, Aberdeen have been trying to, I guess, take themselves to the next level since McInnes has left. They finished 10th last season. And they find themselves in an absolute mess this season. So that's not to say don't just change your manager because it might get worse. However, it's not always easy for clubs like Hearts or Aberdeen or Hibs to to find managers to even 
maintain a position of where they are if that's you know top three top four Laurie, so, sorry do, do you know how many how many non-heart supporters journalists or, or whatever are aghast at the fact that there's even a conversation being had right now yes on hearts podcasts yeah, yes that they're talking about who could replace robbie nielsen yeah, it's not until get, you're on the outside <laughs> looking in and I people know. are like they're they're what I get all the time. It's funny whenever I, because I chat away to the to general media and to the opposition kind of media team or comms team, and I get the same thing. Like, wait, folk aren't happy. I'm like, yeah. I was like, calling for his head. No, I'm like, genuinely. I had um, the BBC team were trying to quiz me on it at the weekend before the game because I was there quite early, and they were going, "What is it?" I mean, I get it. You get criticised for certain things, but is it still that Hibs game? I'm like, I don't, I don't know if it is. I don't think it is that Hibs game. There, I feel like he's put that to bed with, um, obviously beating Hibs at Hamden twice now, winning Easter Road in the cup. But they were, you know, they um, I was chatting to Lee McLeod, and they, and they were just because obviously they don't, they're not as in touch with what the Hearts fans feel, and they were just there again. They were just trying to get their head around it, and I was like, it's yeah, it's just one of those things. And look, there are reasons to be. There are reasons to criticise, and we'll talk about the Celtic game in a minute. There's certainly reasons to criticise things, but yeah, I think it just gets tiresome that we go back to this all the time when we're still sitting in third. Now, if we get to the end of the season and Hearts have not finished third from the position they've got themselves in, oh, it's open season. Then I think you can say, you know what, that's that's not good enough given the state Hibs and Aberdeen were in, given the the lead we had. I think there's a I think there's a conversation to be had. I don't necessarily not not saying you have to sack Robbie Nielsen if we don't finish third, but it's it's on the table then, I think. How Standard. did, how did we yeah. throw that away with the squad we have, even with the injuries, the position we were in, if it's an Aberdeen or a, a Hibs, you know, if it's an Aberdeen or Hibs, they were in disarray. If it's someone else who suddenly comes from left field, then you're talking how have they managed to get better than us? Because their resources are are of a fraction of what we have, not compared to, not the same difference mm. as Celtic and us, but certainly if a Livingston somehow snuck in there, you'd be like, that's not good enough. We can't no. be finishing below Livingston, even with European. So I think there's a question to be there, but end of the season, you take stock. And I, and I think if, if we finish third this season, we've got European group stage football again next year, you want to see progress. It's like, we can't be, you know, we can't be as poor as we were in the first half of the season again. You know we've 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 been there now. We've got another year of good finances to build the squad. We need to be better. Um, so I think you will want to have progress next year. I think the cups are always tough because you get you a luck. draw. You, you need you need a bit of luck and you need a good draw. Um, you know, in '98, in 2006, maybe not 2006 so much because we did play. You know, we did play Aberdeen. We played Hibs, but. We didn't have to play Celtic um, or Rangers, and in '98 we didn't have to play a top-flight team until the final. Mm-hmm. Um, so you do need a bit of luck, and you, you know we could have a brilliant season next year and not get any silverware. Um, we could have a mediocre season and win a cup. It's just the way that goes. So anyway, uh, I, I think I think a lot of Hearts fans feel that same way. There are people who will always dislike Robbie Nielsen, and that's fair enough. It's uh, it, it's the way it is. Football fans are all entitled to their opinion. Um, we should probably get on though and speak about Celtic a little bit. Hepburn and McDonald have been making creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. For more, visit fhmcdsigns.co.uk.
Right, so let's not, we're not going to talk about Celtic Park too much. I mean, the Hearts, I think, similar to the first meeting at Celtic Park, given the team they had out and the, the opposition, a relatively speaking decent enough showing. I know we lost in the end, we, we missed Ginelli when he went off, but um, a Celtic Park displays and results go, it wasn't one, I think it's one that you just put, well, it's Celtic Park. Um, the home game's a different one though, so I know we felt a bit pessimistic, despite our, our blindly optimistic, or I think we called us fantasists on the last yeah, podcast, predicting optimistic. wins. But, you know, that's what we do. But I, I, there was a, an apprehension about this game, the home game against Celtic. Now, looking at the team, Hart started with, they called it a 3-5-2, but I think a 3-5-1-1, or, to be honest... Might as well call it a 3-5-1, which we'll get into. Um, Xander Clark and goals. Hill, Civic rolls back three. Smith, right. Kingsley, left. Grant, Kiermaet, Soglu, Halliday in the midfield. Barry Mackay allegedly playing um, uh, in a number Oof. 10 role. Oof. And Josh Ginelli in attack. Now, first up, Mark, we've spoken about this back three is a... <sighs> It's a, f- a formation we are not huge fans of in games like this. Now, I think Celtic Park, for large spells, would maybe say would maybe counter that because I thought we looked very so- solid and well organised. You know, going into a back five out of possession. On the whole, we talked about the space this can leave, especially between the kind of the wide centre backs and our wing backs, and. I don't think it was the right system for this game. And I think it was opened up and highlighted very early on in terms of the space and behind. And I like Michael Smith. He's been a great player for Hearts, almost 200 appearances. He's he's proved us wrong many times coming in with big performances. But sometimes in games like this, he looks his age, doesn't he? He does. I'm not going to sit here and say, I told you so, or uh, have a different opinion after an event that I had before, the team that I'd selected was, well, it was a 5-3-1-1 formation. Now, obviously, there were injuries or, or whatever. So I, I'm not going to sit here and be critical of of playing three at the back when I would have had two fullbacks alongside three at the back with either four in midfield or a 4-3-1-1. Um, I, I can't explain, and I, I, don't, I don't know if Robbie Nielsen can explain why it, when we start a game against Celtic, especially this one, it was just like, right, retreat. Everyone get back as quick as you can. Let's get into position. Let's let's have 90 minutes of this, just this kind of disruption. Stop them from, from doing anything. It just basically invites them to have the ball. They move it about quicker. They hunt in packs brilliantly. They hunt in packs like they hunt in packs as a team. If anybody watched Man City on uh, on Tuesday night in the 7-0 game against Derby Leipzig, Erling Haaland came out afterwards. He was unplayable, by the way, but he came out afterwards and he said, in training on Monday, we worked on everybody pressing as a unit, but doing it in packs, but it's a team thing. And if we can win possession back further up the field, then by doing that, we've got them where we want them. And we're in a position probably within 35, 40 yards of goal. With Celtic, they were able to do that a lot closer to our goal. Now, 
it's not a secret the way that they play. It's not new. They try and outnumber you. Now, you can set up to try and stifle that. You can set up to, to I mean, you can set up to try and stifle them by having players that are going to get closer to the likes of Aaron Moy or Rio Hatati or Callum McGregor or, or whatever. But you know that their work rate is going to be right from the start. And you know they're going to try and win possession back inside the heart's half right from the beginning of the game. You know that they're going to press you. That's what they did. And that's why they were ahead inside two minutes. And they could have scored even before that as well. That's no yeah. secret. So what what are we doing wrong? Is there a specific? Is it a combination of things? Because to be fair, that game, albeit we said right at the start of the show, coming into it, it felt like it's just a f we were like lambs to the slaughter, right from the draw even although we're trying to be positive. But what is it that we are not doing well enough? And why are we like deer caught in the headlights when we play Celtic? That's not the way it should be. What happened to the get right in about them? Um, Scott Wilson, let's let's make some noise. Get stuck right in about them and, and let's make some noise right from the start. What is it about the way that we play against the old firm right now that needs to change because it is unacceptable how we're just kowtowing to them right now. I, I mean, I don't think it's a so, uh, get right in amongst them because, I mean, the opening goal, part of it came from Kai Rolls trying to get co committed, committed himself too much. You know, he didn't need to come out and try and make a challenge, um, sold himself, and it opened up for Celtic to then score that first goal. Uh, and look, uh, you know, I, We've spoken about Barry McKay before, so we know he's a, a luxury player to an extent. And we've said, you know, part of part of what you get from Barry McKay is you can play him in games and he, he maybe doesn't contribute a lot for periods, but he can come up with a moment of brilliance. I think you have to accept that. And in certain games, that's fine. You don't have to start him. But, said, but what I was going to say, in a game week, against... Why, why in a game against Exactly what I was going to say. In a game against... So if we're at home to uh, you know Ross County or Motherwell or someone you can maybe say look we can afford to have Barry McKay in there he'll drift in and out of the game you can't really afford that I get home at Celtic because you need ev you need all, all all hands on deck you need everyone that wasn't you we had this um, discussion last week exactly so that's why I, that's for me is like it's not even a slight necessarily on Barry McKay I don't have a, you know we know what he is if Barry McKay could do it every game he was doing it and then he wouldn't be at heart. So let's not get into that. I'm disappointed that he doesn't turn up in a lot of these big games, but knowing that he hasn't been and we're going to be out of possession for the majority of the match, why put him in there? And he played 90 minutes. I mean, that's why I said it might as well be in a 3-5-1 because Ginelli put in a power to work up there, I thought. I, you know, it was, a, it was a pretty futile task a lot of the time, but I thought he worked really hard and actually got into decent positions at times, didn't do too badly. I mean, he was working on scraps. He didn't have a lot to to go on. Um, you know, in terms of positives, Ginelli, I thought, um, I would certainly, he's he's convinced me of he's worth getting a, giving a new deal to if it's not been discussed already. Um, I thought Xander Clark was excellent. You know, pulled off a good save early on, kept us in it at times, looked pretty commanding. I'd love to see him um, replace Craig Gordon is number one for Scotland. I don't think he will for now, at least. Um, and I thought, I and mean, you know, some people will say, "Are you actually going to go there?" I thought Kieran Mutsoglu was fine. Um, you know, given the context of the game, I'm not saying he was a fantastic. 
There are not many fantastic performers outfield in that game. But I thought he worked hard. I thought he won the ball back quite well a few times. You know, he's not he's not a ball-playing, attacking player. He's not going to make things happen necessarily. But I didn't think he hid. Um, and I thought he was actually pretty solid in the middle. We, obviously, we were lacking someone else to to do anything and carry the ball forward as much. But um, there were some very slight positives in there. But in terms of the team, you know, I thought, you know, these wide back wing back areas, you know, we miss we miss Cockerbies on the left. I, I don't know if Kings if Kingsley just needs some more time to get back to his best. He just looks a bit off it. Um, I, I don't me. I don't understand right now why Kingsley's being preferred to Cochrane. Is it just simply no, due to the set the set piece? Um, it's, it's mad. It's madness at left wing back. Um, you know, left centre back is maybe up for discussion, but left if we're no playing chance. a back four with a left back or we're playing left wing back, it's got to be Cochrane. Hundred um, percent. And the other side, Smith struggled. But I mean, so this is, here's one thing. So with this one talking about recruitment, um, you know, recruitment on the whole has been great last few seasons. Right, right, back, right back or right wing back? I don't think that Atkinson, even going into this season, I don't think there's a feeling that he would have been the answer. And I just, that's just, that's just my feeling. It's not, no one's said that, but given his, given the fact that Michael Smith is still ahead of him so often, and given some of his displays, I don't think that even going into this season that necessarily Atkinson was seen as maybe the answer. Smith, we know, can put in great displays, but he's getting on. Um, he's quite injury prone, which is maybe understandable for a player of his age. And he, he, some games he gets found out for, for, for certain reasons. We've got no real natural alternative on no. that side. I feel that's a an issue. Because we've got a very big squad, but we've only got two options. One, I don't think, to be quite frank, is going to be good enough long term, um, and one is uh, is in the latter stage of his career, and we can't rely on him to play every game. That that for me is a an issue that you can highlight as a Robbie Nielsen and Joe Savage thing. I think you know when I look at that team, you can criticise certain areas where players maybe haven't worked out, or some people have been injured or out of form. But that area. We just haven't really signed anyone, have we? No, I don't think they'll be aware of that. I mean, Nathaniel Atkinson was was brought in as a backup to Michael Smith, ended up playing a lot more than Hearts thought he would due to an injury to to Michael Smith. I think they're trying to wring out every... I mean, it's like squeezing an orange. Um, You're desperate to get every last ounce of juice out of that orange. Michael Smith is our orange. (laughs) We're trying to get every last bit out of it. (laughs) And let's not go there. If you're thinking... Pretend no, let's not go there. But this don't is where I didn't know where you were going to go, where you thought no, I was going to go. Just orange and no, plus no. I'm talking about the fruit. I'm talking about the fruit, and and we we've got there's a little bit more from Michael Smith to go. You're right, though. We we need we need a right back slash right wing back in the summer now. I'd be intrigued to know if they were looking at one in the January transfer window. She said Tangerine th- would, have, would have avoided any potential controversy. Yes. <laughs> Michael um, Smith's Tangerine dream is almost over. Something like that. But you're right. I mean, if if Kingsley isn't, and for me, Cochrane's better at left back. Where's Michael Smith left wing back. Exactly. That was the whole point. I know, I know. Oh, jeez. But Halliday is the kind of third choice, right? So, and he's a decent enough option. He's not 
brilliant playing as a left wing back. I'd rather have him more central, but he is he is more of an option. I mean, Smith, Atkinson, we've seen Civic as a right-sided player. Um, Hill maybe has been tried there, but no, it's... I remember being in St. Gallen for that game against Zurich and and when Halkett went off and, and we had... And Civic back then wasn't... Uh, wasn't playing the way he's, he's he's played this season, and Atkinson was was over there as well, and they were just every opportunity they had, they were trying to get at our right hand side, and that and that's understandable, but it's it's an area we've got to be looking at with the formation that he wants to play. It's an area we've got to be looking at strengthening in the summer because I think you're right. I think they they had hopes for Nathaniel Atkinson, but um, he's not. He doesn't appear to be the answer, unfortunately. Yeah, and I mean, ultimately, we, we, and we've diverted from looking at the Celtic game individually. You know, we talked, they, they came out of the traps, could have been 1-0 before the goal, as you said. It felt like the writing was on the wall then and there when Aaron Moy finished, to be honest. I know we had a, a a little spell in the middle of that first half, but when Kyogo scored right at the end of the opening 45, it pretty much put the game to bed. The second half was almost irrelevant, to be honest. You know, Celtic went down a gear, took the foot off the gas, however you want to call it. And the third goal was just um, was just what happens when they eventually get the ball in the box. It was poor defending, but the game was done in the first half. And a lot of it was down to just, I thought, organisation and individual errors in the end. But that's that has to come down to the manager to degree as well, because he's selecting these players. He's getting them... He is getting them well you know, drilled for the game, whether it's well drilled or not well drilled. So... There has to be a degree of blame, I think, on both manager and player for this. Yeah, um, I just think, Laurie, that that for me, I mean, I was commentating on a on a La Liga game. I was doing Real Madrid Espanol at the same time. I'm kind of glad that was the case. So I've watched the highlights since. I never got the impression that Celtic needed to go up a couple of gears. I always felt they were playing within themselves, and they didn't really have to be anything special to win that no. game. They're a good side. But they didn't have to be any any better than good. And no. they, they ran out comfortable three 0 winners. The timing of the second goal is is, is hurtful, really yeah. hurtful. Just before and look, time. and you can say, I mean, in this game, you could say because I think I'll hear people in my head arguing, going, "That's an attitude thing, and that comes from the manager." You know, Robbie Nielsen. People will say he's, he's maybe not got a positive enough attitude, or or, or that's like reflecting. What do you the, think? Uh, <laughs> It's almost it's very hard to judge from afar because you know we've heard we've heard that aimed at him in other games, and we've heard players say that's absolutely not the case. I know you can only take so much what players say because players isn't going to throw his manager under the bus. I thought Celtic Park, um, he did about as much as he could, and how well drilled we were, and how we still tried to catch them on the break a little. Second half, not so much because Janelli going off, but you could you know that could be an argument with that one. Um, and maybe long term, that's what we need to look at. You know, that's what I th- that's what I'm saying. Is Robbie Nielsen the long term answer for Hearts? You know, if we're talking five years or something, I don't know. If we're still sitting here in in four or five years time, and this is still the exact case, then probably not. But I think you y- you can't just jump to that conclusion because of games against Celtic. You know, if we need to look to get in third place. We need to look at doing that consistently. If we're not seeing progress in other areas. I get that. But at the same time, we're not going to suddenly be challenging Celica Rangers. Should we do better against them in individual matches? Yes, I think we should. 
and maybe that is a, a managerial issue. That's something he needs to work on. But for me, that in itself is not what you should completely judge him on. Um, so I think there's room for improvement. I could understand the arguments given the way the team maybe lacked in confidence, um, were sloppy early on in that game. It's, and same, it's the same story every game, Laurie, and, and the frustration among a lot of Hearts fans is we're not learning. Robbie yeah. Nielsen is, is not learning from all these defeats to Rangers and Celtic. That That's a bugbear. I mean, if you can see progress from a 5-0 to maybe a 3-0 to a 1-0 to getting a draw to finally getting a win, hypothetically in, in, in any fixture, if that's how it starts and that's how it ends, then there's progress to be seen. I haven't seen any progress. It's the same. I mean, it's the same. You could regurgitate the same stuff we talk about on this podcast prior to going to Ibrox, prior to going to Celtic Park. Nothing has changed. Now, you could go further back and say, well, it was the same under Craig Levine, under Jim Jim Jeffries. Well, was it, though? I mean, I, I'm not saying we went there expecting um, to get something from games, but I felt more optimistic um, depending on the circumstance and, and where that team was at the times, both Celtic and Rangers, but certainly under Jeffries, I mean, that 97-98 season, it got to a point where you were frustrated if you didn't at least get a draw from, from going through to um, from going through to Ibrox. I've never really had that same feeling about Celtic Park with the exception of 05-06 um, when we got the one-all draw Um in George Burley's last game, I think, as it turned out, because it was done firmly in the next week. And prior to that game, that was like, hey, we can win this. We've got the players to win this. And we had a belief. Now, is that a mental thing? Is it a kind of, these the players that, that we had in that 0506 side were winners as far as who they'd played for, what they'd won in their career, their experience. Maybe we, I, I don't know how you change it. I, mean, I don't have the answers. Um, but if it's a mental thing, we haven't seen any progress from that. So how do we improve? And the next time we play Celtic or Rangers, and thankfully it's not a while now um, to, to play them both, the next time we kind of feel, yeah, that was an improvement. I'm not saying get a win, but a draw would be a good start. How do we go about that? Is it application? Is it the approach during the week? Because right now it just feels like right, this is damage limitation. That's not good enough against the old firm. It's not, and I'd like to think it's something long term that will be uh, a name for for Robbie Nielsen. But for me, right now, third and making that gap bigger between us and those behind us, as opposed to even looking ahead necessarily. Um, but anyway, it will be. It'll be debated, it'll be discussed uh, much further than just this podcast, I'm sure. But we do have other things to get to as well. You're listening to Scarves Around the Funnel, sponsored by Forrest Hepburn and McDonald Signs, who have been offering creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. So following that defeat to Celtic in the Scottish Cup, Hearts resume league action against Aberdeen at Petodre coming up this Saturday. Uh, this is a fixture that heavily favours the home side. It's one of these weird ones where you obviously get fixtures that favour one team or the other. If a team's got 
better resources than the other. They'll generally have a good record against them and a good home record against the side. But this is one where it's very weird because um, the home team generally wins. So Hearts usually get results against Aberdeen at Tynecastle and vice versa, Aberdeen at at Pataudry. 16 games without an away winner between the two sides and Oof. the Hearts are now 9 without a win at Pataudry and they've lost 6 in a row there. That was since Robbie Nielsen's first spell at the club, since uh, Abiola Dowda scored in 2016 a 1-0 victory on a Thursday night. That's our only win there since my first game as a commentator in November 2013 when we won 3-1 at Pataudry. So shows what our record's been like now we had some messages on twitter ahead of this one we were looking for predictions from people and their team selection for the game so before mark and i get into it let me have a look through the messages we've got let's have a look bruce cormack says he would go with uh let's see what he's put it as it's a fourth well kind of four three three or four three one two with clark and goals smith civic rolls cochran Devlin Snodgrass, Keo, Mackay slash Forrest behind Shankland and Janelli. If no Snodgrass, either bring Hill and push Sibic into midfield or use Halliday. If no Shankland, I hope Humphreys is fit or bring in Halliday and go 4 4 1 1. Now, I didn't realise before we did this, I wrote down my own team. I've basically gone, pretty much gone the same as Bruce, actually. I'll give you my team at the end. Um, so there's one from Bruce. Uh, Jamie said, asked the question, will Shanklin, Snodgrass and Humphreys be fit enough for the game? As none even made the bench of the weekend, I doubt it. So Clark, Smith, Hill, Rolls, Sibbett, Cochrane, Devlin, Keogh, Forrest, Gino, Mackay then. Bit of pace and a bit of energy. There's never an away win there, so I'll go 2-2. Two, two. In terms of that question from Jamie, uh, at the moment, at the time of recording, in terms of team news, apparently Shanklin, Snodgrass and Humphreys should be back is what the club are saying. However, um, we know we can't always trust that because we've had injury problems quite a bit in the last year or two. And sometimes, you know, Robbie Nielsen likes to keep other teams guessing, be that by saying a player is fit when he's not or saying a player isn't fit and he is. So at the moment, they're saying Shanklin, Snodgrass and Humphreys should be back. I'd certainly hope Shanklin and Snodgrass would be back, but we shall see. Uh, let's see. Corner, corner, uh, and that's at Corner Radish says Saturday finally convinced me that Smith should no longer be a starter. Atkinson for right wing back or full back. Sorry to say that Kingsley is living on his reputation this season and needs dropped. Rolls, Sibic, and Hill as the centre backs. We have a team from Graham. He gave us a four-two-three-one. Says fitness permitting, he would go with Clark and goals. A back four of Smith, Sibic, Rolls, Cochrane. Devlin and Snodgrass sitting, Forrest, Shanklin and Kuol attacking three behind Josh Janelli up front, and he says 2-1 Hearts. Uh, Craig Heatley says, hard to second-guess a lineup with all the injury uncertainty, but I'd start with Barry Mackay on the bench uh, without a few coming back in. I'd definitely take a draw with Hibs being away to Celtic, Janelli 1-1. And Brian Dundas goes with a 4-2-3-1 as well, very similar uh, same back four, Devon Keogh setting Janelli, Grant and Mackay attacking three behind Shanklin, so moving Shanklin back into his number nine role. Um, and Finlay Sharp says, in an ideal world, I'd like to see this lineup, but most likely won't happen. 4-3-3, Clark and goals, Smith, Rolls, Sibbett, Cochrane, Devlin, Keogh, Snodgrass, Janelli, Kuol and Shanklin. 3-0 hearts, very optimistic one from Finlay. 
So there's some views from Twitter. Thank you for getting in touch. So the team I went with is is bang on um bar one position, I think, from what Bruce gave us. So I so see what you think of this, Mark. So I've gone with a four three three. This is what I would play on Saturday. This is not necessarily what I think Robbie will play. So again, fitness permitting. Clark and goals. I'd still put Smith at right back if he's fit. Cochrane left back. Civic and Rolls in the centre. Mm-hmm. We're going to do a 4-3-3 or a 4-3-1-2 as well, however you want to call it, with Devlin, Snodgrass and Kiyo Mitsoglu in the centre. So Snodgrass in the middle, the deep line playmaker, but with legs either side of him. I think we need Kami Devlin in an away game. We need his tenacity, his ball winning in the centre. Kiyo Mitsoglu, he did enough for me to warrant a place. I think in a game like this, we'll want, again, a bit of bite in the middle. Um, I'm going to put George Grant in that number 10 role. So mm. kind of sitting behind Shankland and Janelli up front. So I'm taking Mackay out. Do I think Robbie Nielsen will do that? Probably not. But that's what I would do. So a 4-3-1-2 with Grant sitting behind Shankland and Janelli. A bit of support for Snowgrass in the centre. I like Rose and Civic as our two centre-backs just now. I think they're our two best centre-backs performance-wise at the moment. Cochrane's our best left-back just now. And right-back... Uh, uh, I would still play Smith if we're playing a back four, just defensively, as long as he's fit. So, what do you think? And it also means that we're playing an Aberdeen team that have favoured a 4-3-3 shape under Robson. Um, they did switch to a back three second half against Dundee United when they were struggling, but he's kind of favoured that shape. So we're almost, we're matching them a little bit. Um, and I guess kind of saying, look, we hopefully have better players. We can outperform you on the day. Yeah, uh, if Devlin plays, I think he plays with Strankland. Eh, sorry, with um, Snodgrass and and Keel. I, I I I can't have him um, as a two with uh, with Snodgrass. So I'm fine with that. Um, I didn't know if you were going to put George Grant in there because if you weren't, I would have I'd played George Grant ahead of Cammy Devlin as part of a three. That formation could easily be a four three two one as well because Shankland can. Could drop deep, or Janelli could drop deep, yeah. but it's flexible. Um, I just, in an ideal world, you you want to name an, an unchanged lineup. You want to say same again, but we haven't been in a position to do that for for a few weeks. So, we've, do you keep chopping and changing un, until you you try and find what you're looking for? I, th- I think you do in this one um, because there's you probably too in my head now. there's probably going to be players um, coming back from injury look Aberdeen have turned things around since Barry Robson kind of took a temporary charge Um, three wins in the last four and a defeat at Celtic Park which happens to to, to most they'll feel that that they can win this game I I think it's a big game for Hearts for momentum going into an international break the first one of the year if we can get a, a draw or three points from that you then have that kind of positive outlook on the games after the break against Kilmarnock away, St. Mirren at home, Hibs away, Ross County at home. This is a tough spell for Hearts. Celtic home and away and Aberdeen away. So I, I think it, it just um, it, it just gives you something to, to kind of hold on to if you can avoid defeat. And it gives you a great platform if you can get the win. I'd be pretty happy with a similar first half display that that we got the last time. I wouldn't be happy with a similar second half display that we got the last time at at Pitodri. Um It's hard to pick a team when you you don't know how many of them are are going to be available. Um, but you're, I'd, I'd be 
no matter where he plays, either left back or left wing back, I'm having Cochrane over Kingsley every yeah. day of the week. I just think Kingsley's stuck in a bit of a rut right now. And as much as I would love his threat from a a set piece within 30 yards, how many of them have we actually had in, in recent games? I can't recall too many. No, not many. I mean, it, it is a huge game. I mean, Hibs are away to Celtic, so we're assuming they'll lose. Now, we're five ahead of Hibs. We're seven ahead of Aberdeen. Now, Aberdeen will absolutely be going for a win here because third place is is much more realistic. If they can win this game, sure. four, four points behind us um, with, what, still nine games left to play, they'll be thinking we're right in the mix there. If they lose this, 10 points behind Hearts. That's you know that's as good as it done for an Aberdeen perspective. We're also eight points ahead of Hibs with a much better goal difference. You know, we could, in many ways, you know, if we win on Saturday, I, I, you just you cannot see third place being given up. And it's not to say stranger things haven't happened, um, but I think we absolutely cannot lose on Saturday. I mean, you know, from that perspective, it it keeps Hibs in the mix. It puts Aberdeen right in the mix. So I think it's a really big game again, and I think mm-hmm. it's a big I think chance. Tell for, us a lot. I think. It'll I tell think us it will because, like I say, this is the this is barometer here against Celtic. Yeah. It's hard to judge. You can play as as well as you possibly can and still get nothing. Against Aberdeen, this is where we should be improving. That away record is not good enough against a side that we want to be competing with and doing better than. And to be fair, we have done better than them last season and overall this season so far. But we, you know, going on seven years without a win there, that's poor. That needs to change. For me, that's that's a better test of where we're going, a better test of progress than games against Celtic and, and Rangers as well. The 5-0 game, uh, I want to go back to that one. It's still possibly one of the most bizarre games I think I've ever seen, never mind just this season, to be in, in cruise control scoreline when the game itself told a totally different story. Um, I don't know what it was like to commentate on, but I'm... I'm sure I remember exchanging messages with you and Ryan at at half time saying, "How how has yeah. this happened?" Born up, it was bizarre, um, but that that was a that was an Aberdeen team who were short of confidence, and I think the manager had lost the dressing room, and we saw that. They still you know, they, played well. They, they still did all right in that first they, half, and they conceded six Easter Road just after that as well. So oh, yeah. It was but a hard the, the one The first to... half, they were okay. They were they were fine. They should have scored at least a couple at Tynecastle. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those. It was a bit of a bizarre evening. But, yeah, you're right. They've picked up a little bit. I, I, I don't think they've been spectacular under Robson, like many things. He's steadied the no, ship. No, but they've been solid. And, but they've, they've got three good results in the last four games. Like you say, they beat Motherwell. Um, an important win against Livingston without being spectacular and eventually managing to beat Dundee United, although they weren't um, really on their game in the first half and took goals in the last 10 minutes to get them the three points eventually. But they've got themselves back into the mix and they are efficient at home. They have That's rarely changed. I know St. Merrin got a result there, but other than that, um, they've been very good at home this campaign in terms of the results, including against us. So it's a big test. I hope um, we're up for it. I hope we've got a few players back. I wouldn't say I'm optimistic, but um, I think we can go there regardless of players we got out and get a positive result with the right system, with the right performance. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are we going to though, Mark? Are we going to? Um, we'll not lose. Okay. Is it prediction time? Uh, it's about that time. We're almost. Yeah, we're almost at the end. We're going to have to put our money where our mouth is. One one. Okay. Ginelli. One one. Ginelli. I would take that. Absolutely. Um, but. Just like Hearts haven't learned in games against Rangers and Celtic, I also have not learned from um, <laughs> from fanciful predictions. So I'm going to, you know, we're just thinking 2013 was my first commentary game, so 10 years ago almost, um, and it was at Pretorium 1-3-1. So for no real logical reason, I'm going to say it's going to be 3-1 Hearts this time, and we're going to get only our... Second win at Pataudry since my first commentary game almost 10 years ago. Oh dear. 3 1. Uh, as for a goal, um, uh, I'm, I'm going to try and go a bit left field. Let's say, let's say, Toby Civic. With his first league goal. With his first league goal. Um, yeah, not, it's not going to be a big long run this one, it's going to be a set piece maybe a corner Okay, okay. Civic to, to get his first league goal for Hearts, 3-1 to the men in Maroon he'll probably be yeah. wearing white for this one but yeah. probably, but but th- that would mean that the next time we play Aberdeen at Pataudry, I won't have to go on to Wikipedia, which I'm sure I do after uh, or during every time we play that and look where Abiola Dauda is now and find out he's in uh, India with a side called Mohammedan from Kolkata, the Black Panthers. And according to Wiki, he's got nine goals in, in 19 appearances. Abula Dauda is now apparently in a Marvel film, is he? Okay. Um, I don't know, like Wakanda. 35 <laughs> years old, uh, Abiola Dauda. And, um, Could do a job, eh? Am I right in saying that was a Thursday night? Yes, live on BT. It didn't mean anything either. Yeah, that was a good pick then. Yeah, <laughs> come on. Look, we've done it at St. Johnston. We finally got that win after Solo. Feels kind of similar, and not the actual opponents, but the record. It's been that long since we've we've won there in St. Johnston. It was in the league, and why not? Why not? I won't. To be honest, there isn't a result. Aberdeen win, Hearts win, draw that would surprise me this no. weekend. I just want to see something. I want to see a reaction. Um, from Hearts. I don't want to see a, a Motherwell or Rangers at home. I want to see an Aberdeen at home or a Dundee United at home. Um, that type of, of performance. I want to. I want to see something that there's progress, and and not because I don't want to go into an international break with three consecutive defeats, and yep. then you're you're going to be looking at it and going, "Ooh, Kelly next, eh? Ooh, in the plastic pitch, eh?" Ooh, let's um let's get a positive result. I'll take a draw right now. Um just to keep something going because it also keeps Aberdeen at, at arm's length if we can avoid defeat. A win? Yes, please. That would be that would be perfection. But we can discuss that next week of what we get. Let's hope Hearts will find what they're looking for, or at least one thing they've been looking for, which has been a win at Pataudry. Um, if you want to get in touch with the podcast, you can email us podcast at scarvesaroundthefunnel.co.uk or you can tweet us. Uh, the account is at around the funnel. We will be back next week 
to review whatever happens in that Aberdeen Hearts game. Hopefully it's a memorable result for Hearts, but even if it's not, we'll be back to mump and moan and, and talk some rubbish about it next time. Until that point, thank you for tuning in. <laughs>